and you can feel it, can't you? The, when the Holy Spirit is here, He um, makes Himself known in such beautiful ways, and and even in a in a body like this, when there's the Spirit, um, when He shows up, we have uh, one body, one mind, uh, unity, and the bond of peace. The peace of God. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for for the gift. What a, what a gift that is to um, be able to be with you today, Jesus. What a gift that is. What a gift. Amen. Well, there's a couple other gifts today. We have Greg Schulscheid in the bag. You've been gone for like a couple of weeks. You're working in Yakima, right? And are you you're still working in Yakima? So he just came back to come to church, see his beautiful bride, and come to church. So let's welcome Greg over to church, over from Yakima. And then I feel like I'm missing half of the equation here, but I'm going to announce it anyways. Uh, Colby asked Bree a special question on Friday, and what did she say? She said yes! Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And... Um, I was hoping to get a text on some emails. Oh, okay. So the thermometer, I just got, just got the text. It just came in, 839. Um, they are up to $1,400 pledged, which is amazing. So that means they're almost to the halfway mark with three weeks to go. So praise the Lord as we send Ryan and Tamara to Papua New Guinea. In fact, just this morning, another $100 a month was pledged by one of the couples here at the church. Thank you guys so much. I, I'm so excited about that. Again, they need to get to 3000 a month um, uh, pledged by December 1st. And that's actually only 50% of what they need total to be able to go in July. But by December 1st, they need uh, 3000 So you guys, that means the thermometer is almost at 50%. I mean, if it was here, that's incredible. Like, that's in, what, three, four weeks? Come on, like, praise the Lord. Thank you, God. You got just continuing to humble me and all those things. Just seeing, I'm, my faith is stressed by you guys. I'm challenged by you guys. And then also Thursday night, I had a meeting. And, and as you guys went through the prayer and fasting, and we have been trying to discern what the Lord would want to do in, uh, in our future and, and where we would be at, uh, just a little update there. I had a meeting with the session of Presbyterian, of the Presbyterian Church and my financial counsel, and we met on Thursday night, and it was a beautiful night. I just want you to know that. Um, a lot of agreement there. Um, the actual practicals of how we would be able to, you know, do things, those are still very much unanswered. This is going to be a slow process, um, but uh, we do feel led to continue to be in relationship with one another, to continue to see what God uh, might want to do in that relationship. Um, they love us and we love them. And uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing there. And so we're still coming up with ideas and plans and uh, no decisions at this point. But we're going to go a couple of more months of just talking and praying. And then we're going to do the same thing in January. Meet again and see what the Lord might be doing. Because nobody wants to force anything. If you know that about me by now, I, I, I love walls because then it lets me go the other way. But, <laughs> but there haven't been many walls yet. The, it's been a lot of open doors. And so um, we're just kind of walking that out. Um, I also want you to know that we have signed, or we are going to be signing this week, uh, a lease to be able to stay here for at least another year. So that's exciting. Praise the Lord. North Hill invited us back. So... Lord bless the Seventh-day Adventists um, and their willingness to let us be here. So it's, so it's an exciting time. Um, the reality is God's just opening doors that are absurd. The fact that we did, I mean absurd, the fact that we did a Halloween outreach with the Baptist Church and we have Lutherans lead us in worship and we you know, went from the Seventh-day Adventists and meet with the Presbyterians. Um, I just make all kinds of people squirm and get uncomfortable, but I think God loves it. I, and, I, and a lot of that... You know, it has to do with your guys' attitudes and just thank you for your spirit of just really kind of getting back to what really matters, which is what? Jesus Christ. That there are lost. I heard this on a Wednesday night. He said, this guy, a pastor named Joe Whitworth, and he said, the lost. And he goes, you know what the lost are doing? 
And we're all just kind of standing there. He goes, the lost are perishing. And it's just like, oh. And, and when you think about that and then you think about all the debates and arguments and things that you get into when the lost are perishing. So I love being a part of a church where we're on that, right? Okay, God, what do you want us to do? The lost are perishing. How can we help? So uh, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Philippians. We're in chapter 2 of Philippians, continuing our series where it would be a love letter written from God to you. Dear, put your name in there, love God. Don't you know it's the Word of God, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Even this week, I was in some classes with a Christian Musician Summit. We had 14 people go to the Christian Musician Summit all day Friday and all day Saturday. And a couple of the classes were on the Holy Spirit. And I just felt the Holy Spirit and the Word going deeper. Have you ever had that experience where it just kind of goes deeper? into your soul, deeper, wanting to work deeper in you, Lord, or in in you, Dan. So I've enjoyed this series and I'm enjoying chapter two, but let's go ahead and read this. We'll pick it up at verse 19. All right, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Who's writing, by the way? Paul. Paul. I hope to send Timothy that I might also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one like him. Who will show genuine concern for your welfare? For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs, for he longs for all of you. He's distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill. He almost died, but God had mercy on him, not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Hmm. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. <laughs> So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I I thank you for you. And um, in the midst of the crazy world that we live in, Lord, um, in the uh, dark times that we seem to be living in, uh, we really do want to depend upon you, Jesus. Uh, we want to cling to you, Jesus. We, we also say, come, Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> uh, we, we, we just, we trust you, God. And, and also, Lord, as a church, we, we pray for our world. We pray for those that are hurting right now. We pray the, for those that have cried so many tears, Lord, that you would comfort them right now, Lord. Uh, but that you would also move our hearts um, in the midst of terrible evil, Lord. Would our hearts actually come closer to you, Jesus, not further away? Would this be a time for people to run to you, God? To run to Savior? To run to rescue? Um, Reveal yourself like never before. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there's two main characters here. We got Timothy in the first paragraph and um, Epaphroditus in the second paragraph. Two faithful servants of God, willing to be sent for the work of Christ. And they model for all of us what it would look like to be a true disciple of Christ. And and let's just focus right at the beginning here on 19 through 21, and we'll work on Timothy here first. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. And who he's writing? He's writing to the church in Philippi. So I'll send Timothy to you soon so that I might be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him, no one else like Timothy, who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. All right. So let's say Alex is Timothy. So this is Alex. Hi, Alex. But right now, for the next three seconds, he's Timothy. You're looking great, Timothy. So... I want you to know, I've got no one else like this fellow, Timothy. Like, no one else. No one who would actually show genuine concern for your welfare. Isn't that hilarious? Like, so anyone else that I got, 
if they do show concern towards you, just so you know they're faking it. Like, <laughs> you know, just, you know, just whatever. But this guy right here, right? And in fact, I can't wait to send him to you because, man, you are going to enjoy his presence. You know why you're going to enjoy being around him? Why? Because he's actually going to care for you. Like, he's not going to fake it. It's going to be a genuine concern. But if I'm honest, again, he's the only one. Because everyone else around me, what they're looking out for what? They're looking out for their own interests. Kind of sounds like the world we're living in, doesn't it? Right? I mean, we don't, we don't have to think too hard to, to realize that's kind of the world we're living in. Where everybody's looking out for themselves. And Paul is telling the church in verse 21 that everybody around him except this guy is looking out for themselves, for their own interests. Not for Jesus Christ. Everyone else except for Timothy. Timothy, we could say, is interested in what Jesus is interested in. And what is that? That's the welfare of others. I want us to get this point. Paul is letting us know that Timothy isn't just a good guy. He's actually in step with Jesus. Right? In step with Jesus. He, he has concern for others, not just because he's a good guy. It's actually because he has the heart that beats with the heartbeat of Jesus. Right? He's in alignment with Jesus. And, and part of that is being deeply concerned, concerned about others. And the concern, again, is not just a good morality. It's actually a concern that comes from Jesus himself. Thank you, Timothy. You did, you did great. So, Lightspring, I believe there's an eternal truth here this morning for all of us to receive. It's written from God to us. It would be this. Dear, and fill in your blank, just be like Jesus. Show a genuine concern for the welfare of others. Again, that's just not being a good person. It's from the heart of God for all of us. Aren't you just tired of preachers that preach the Word but yet are bums? <laughs> right? Aren't you just tired? Is that game please over by now? The guy who just preaches the word but actually doesn't have a life that backs that up. Like, live a life where you actually show concern for others. Before this mention of Timothy, at the end of chapter 2 this, of this letter, the church in Philippi, they've already seen two amazing examples of this earlier in this chapter. At the beginning of the chapter 2, we see the ultimate example of having a concern for the welfare of others. Who's the ultimate example of having concern for the welfare of others? Jesus, right? He, he came. It's pretty amazing. He came to save us of our sins. He came. He humbled himself, right? Even to death on the cross, as we read a couple of weeks ago. Why? To bring God the Father glory and to give us eternal life, right? Talk about being concerned about somebody else. He sees our need for rescue. He sees that there's a payment needed for our sins. And so what does he does do? He dies so that we might live. Pretty amazing example. But then if you go even further, you see the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, he's following the lead of Jesus. He tells us that Paul, he is being poured out like a drink offering. Remember that? And again, why? For God and for the welfare of others. Such an intense love for God in the churches that he started that he's pouring out his life for them. Well, if we're going to read these examples, and now we've got three of them, this passage, I, I just hope that it would cause us to take a good look at ourselves, right? Look at our own lives. Where are we being poured out for the sake of others? Or, let's take a step back, is that even a part of your life? Right? I mean, take it from when you wake up till when you go to bed. Is there any genuine concern for the welfare of others? Right? Hmm. Or are we serving the great trinity of the flesh? Do you know what the great trinity of the flesh is? <laughs> Me, myself, and I, Right? In our, because it's, it's, it comes naturally too, doesn't it? In our flesh, we will always make this world and this life about us. That's just what flesh does. Flesh is prideful. It's selfish. It's arrogant. I mean, have you noticed that? How in flesh, we just make everything about us. And so I'd say that we're inwardly focused, right? Inwardly focused. But in the Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, when we walk in the humility like chapter 2 calls us to do, we realize that God has placed us on this earth for a lot more reasons than just to live that narcissistic life, right? Of just satisfying all of my needs and my desires and my wants, right? There's actually more to life than that. Did you, did you know that? <laughs> there's more to life than that. And, and I don't know about you, praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord that there's more to life than that. I mean, it's okay to love yourself. Yes, love yourself. I, but... There's more than just loving yourself. We've been called to love God in the greatest commandment. But then what's the second part? It says, love others as 
yourself. So yeah, I, I get that you have to love yourself as well. But love God and love others. And that love God and love others part, you know? All right. We kind of, we, we have to wrestle with that, don't we? And that's where we have to kind of be daily filled, daily ask the Lord, you know, God, give me your eyes, give me your heart that I might love you and I might love others. Because naturally, we just kind of go back to that inward life. Now, you can also kind of see that the inward life and the outward life, whether, wherever your focus is, they're kind of polar opposites, aren't they? And, and the reason you know that, by the way, is because you can see it in someone else's life, can't you? Right? I mean, you know the person that's just self-absorbed and you're like, wow. Or you see the person that's just walking in humility and you're like, wow. Because they're so different. But the, the reality, again, I, I mean, wow. I would be the first to admit how many times I've run down that road of just being inwardly focused. Again, because it's the natural bent of men and women. It, it is in our sin nature. It's part of just who we are in this sinful world outside of Christ. So I would say because of that, of who it is, who we are outside of Christ, it's pretty easy too, isn't it? Like, we don't have to try hard to think about ourselves, right? I'm like, oh, maybe I'll think. No, I mean, it's just, it comes naturally. And even though it's easy, if you've done this before, it's messy and it's miserable. Might be easy, but it's messy and it's, Miserable. See, the selfish, inwardly focused life, it is one of the most unsatisfying attempts at living. Praise the Lord, even though all of us in this room have been there at different times in our lives, God does not give up on us. Does God give up on us? No. Praise the Lord, His Spirit pursues us. And so as Christians, as we mature in Christ, we begin to realize, you know what? There must be more to life than just me. Remember that realization when you're like, you know what? It usually is somewhere in your 20s, somewhere maybe after high school, you're like, you know what? Even though the, I was always about me and being all that I can be and I'm a champion, I'm number one and all these things, all of a sudden it's like, wow, there actually is more to life than just me. And what do we have to do in that moment? It can be kind of terrifying, but it also can be kind of encouraging because your faith begins to grow. You say, okay, God, if it's more than me, I need to know how to do this life where life is actually about more than just me, where it's about God and about others. So what do you do? You go out to the Lord. Have you ever done this cry to the Lord? God, if it's more than just me, if it's more than just serving the Holy Trinity of the flesh, then help me, right? Teach me. Because right now, naturally, I just know how to serve me. So I actually need some training. You ever need some training in the Lord? Like, I, I need some help in this because I just continue to want to do whatever I want to do, but I know that there's more to life than that. So you go, God, lead me. God, teach me. God, train me. God, you know, just you just begin to flow, right? Just pour out your life. I don't want to live a selfish life. I don't want to live a self-absorbed life. I don't want to live a life where I'm just consuming and consuming. I would call that you're having your Scrooge moment, Right? It's your Scrooge moment. And you don't want to be a Scrooge. I'm tired of being a Scrooge. It's time to help Tiny Tim. Put him on your shoulders. Sing a song. Right? You want to live a life where it's genuinely uh, a genuine concern for the welfare of others. Have you prayed that prayer before? I've prayed that prayer. Have you ever seriously repented? Right? Have you ever just... Oh, God, you know, forgive me, right? Forgive me for my lack of compassion towards others. Forgive me, Lord. I've looked at my life. Just, what am I doing? I'm wasting my life on myself. And you cry out to the Lord and you're honest with Him. And we have to do that sometimes on a weekly basis, sometimes on a daily basis. And, and I love that we turn to the Lord in these moments. And, and, and the reason it's so good to turn to the Lord is that His Word speaks to us. And that's what I love about the passage we're reading today. It's, it's so important to be in the Word, church. I don't say this to condemn you. I just say this to challenge you. Um, it's your daily bread. It's what feeds us. It is hard to walk the Christian life without being properly nourished by His Word. And, and His Word, and the Word is so kind to us. The, the Word says, so you want to live that life that you've been called to live. You want to live that outwardly focused life where you're obeying the greatest commandment to love God, love others as yourself. If that's how you want to live, if that's the freedom that you want in your life, then come close. Listen to my voice. Listen to my word. It says, and we've read this a couple of weeks ago, if, if you want all those things, you have to have the same attitude, the same mindset of Jesus Christ. 
And he says this to each one of us very clearly. Listen to this, Philippians 2, 3 through 8. He says, you, you don't want to live a life where it's all about you. You want to live the life that you've actually been called to live. You know, that Zoe life. Then don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You've got to have the same mindset that Jesus Christ had. Though he was not God, he did not think of equality with God something to cling to. Instead, he gave up divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. And he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. There's the roadmap for life. There it is. It's just been laid out by Jesus himself. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. It's this amazing life of humility, this mindset of Jesus that humbles himself in obedience to God for the sake of the world. And it's just so contrary to how so many of us in America live. Some of us, we think that we can live the Christian life without having that settled first. Like, somehow you could live the Christian life without having the same attitude as Jesus. It sounds silly, doesn't it? But that's what we do. You could live the Christian life without walking in this kind of humility where you think of others as better than yourself. But it's the Christian life. Like, Christ is in the Word. (laughs) Right? Christ. Christian. Christians. (laughs) And yet, so many Christians, we truly struggle to follow the example that Christ has set. But you've got to get this one settled. It's vital to living the Christian life. So, have the mindset of Christ. And I've talked about this uh, many times, what I'm about to talk about and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. But again, on Wednesday in the training, they said, if you want someone in your church to hear what you're saying, you have to say it seven times. It says, after seven times saying it, they'll hear it for the first time. So here we go. To have the same mindset of Christ, you have to yield to the Spirit. You have to allow the Spirit to fill you up. You have to surrender to His will, to the Lord's will. You have to allow your flesh to die. You were dead in Christ or dead in your sins, but now you are alive in Christ. You have to let Him live in you, like really live in you, come alive in you, that Zoe life where instead of it being about you and your own strength and your willpower and you muscling it together, that's truly Christ in you, the hope of glory, giving you what you need to have the life that you need to live. And then you come alive. You have this abundant Zoe life that He's called you to live and the Spirit lives in you. And by the way, again, you have to give Him permission to have His way in you. But if you give Him permission to have His way in you, then you begin to see the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life. And the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then by the Spirit, as the fruit is being produced, you are being changed. You are being transformed. You're not the same as you were yesterday. And now as one who is displaying the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you are actually looking a little bit more like Jesus every day and you're actually becoming extremely concerned about the welfare welfare of others. It's now a part of your DNA. It happened to Timothy and it happens to us. Do you believe that? Yeah. About the Holy Spirit and what He does in us. Because something changes in us. We have to believe that. Again, feelings are our enemy so often in life. Have you noticed that? Feelings just can get in the way. Feelings can be kind of good indicators uh, even maybe of unhealth or, you know, those types of things. But don't live your life based on your feelings. Base your life on the, or base your life on the Word of God. On who you are, your identity in Christ. And you're changed. Now, you think about this man, we were going to go do some ministry together and we were off to, to take off the next day, but that night he goes, I need to come over, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And he comes over, he goes, man, you don't want me to go with you. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, I don't even think I believe in God. I said, well, here's the deal. I said, if you respect me, I will respect you. So if you don't make fun of my God while we're doing this thing, then uh, I want you there because you're my friend and I love you. And he's like, okay, we can do that. So he comes. Well, he had a crazy encounter with God. Um, we were doing a worship night. He's on the floor just bawling his eyes out, laughing hysterically. I'm on the floor next to him, bawling my eyes out, laughing hysterically. Uh, so the Lord met him. And then later, we, I got together with him. And I was like, man, what, what really happened? Like, what was the biggest change that's happened in you? Because you know what? The biggest change is that I used to make fun of people on the side of the road. And now I have compassion on them. That was the biggest change. Like, it wasn't, you know, whatever prosperity doctrine or whatever you need to, you know, come up with what would happen. You know, the change was that he actually now had compassion for others. See, it's who you are 
in Christ that you have a genuine concern. When your mindset is the same as Jesus, you have a genuine concern. If you are a Christian, if you're a professed Christian here this morning and you struggle with this, where you don't have the welfare of others as your priority, that should just be the check engine light of your heart. Right? It's on. And I think we need to take notice of that. We, we, we need to do that heart check. It's a serious look. And it's not to condemn you. It's because God doesn't want you to stay there. Have you ever been just stuck in a place where you're just bitter towards everyone? It's not a good place to be. And so you need to take a serious look at that. Is it my flesh rising up? Or is it truly where I'm living by the Spirit? So ask yourself this question. Where are you at with all this? You know, just get, get real with the Lord. Where are you living? Who are you living? How are you living? Are you living for yourself? Are you living for Jesus? And again, if you're a Christian here this morning and you've been living for yourself, I can bet the bank that you feel miserable this morning. <laughs> because that attempt at the Christian life, that fullness that God has called you to, it will never happen when you're living for your own interest and your own welfare instead of others. So just ask the Lord this morning and this time to help you. Again, He is so good and He's here. Just ask Him, help me, Lord. Help me with my attitude. Lord, give me your attitude, right? We just heard Paul write that. You don't have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. Well, then ask Him for it. It's not some weird, you know, fantasy pipe dream or fairy tale like for someday later, you know, someday over the rainbow. It's like the truth that you can grab hold of today. Ask Him. Just, Lord, fill me up with Your Holy Spirit to change me, to, to the fruit would be expressed in my life and so that I can be poured out for the sake of others and all to the glory of God. Amen? Okay, well, let's move on to the next guy. The guy with the crazy name. <laughs> Epaphroditus. Um, wow, what a name. If you're looking for names for your next child, there you go. I guess it's an option. Um, don't give me credit for that one because, man, that kid's going to be made fun of forever. Um, <laughs> okay, well, let's just call him Epaph um, for short. <laughs> Yo, Epaph, what's up? Rah, rah. So here's what Paul says about Epaph. Verse 25, I think it necessary to send to you Epaph, my brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, almost died, but God had mercy on him, not on him only, but also me. Man, just because I love this guy so much. And man, if he would have died, there would have been sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him, man, you guys are going to be so glad. And then I don't have to be stressed so much. So then, that was my paraphrase. So then welcome him and the Lord with great joy. Ah, honor people like him. Ah, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So I realized pretty quickly with this passage that we would be here for the next couple of hours if I really got to talk about everything that I wanted to talk about in this little passage. But I prayed and said, God, help me to be the pastor that doesn't go through Philippians for the next three years. And I believe that he's helped me move on. We just got a couple of truths that I'm going to talk about and we'll be able to actually finish this in 2016. I mean, you got to give me a little time, but... So first, let's understand what's going on here. Epaphroditus, he sent by the church in Philippi to take care of Paul's needs, which I think is really cool, right? They sent, they hear that Paul's in Rome, right? He's probably in house arrest in Rome. And, and so this church in Philippi, they send him what we would say is kind of like a care package and they send it with Epaphroditus over to Paul. And it's been this wonderful experience for Paul. It's really spoke to Paul's heart. You know, even where he said, man, if this guy died, I'd have like sorrow upon sorrow. And he calls Epaph, he calls him his brother. He calls him a co-worker. He calls him a fellow soldier. But now Paul is sending him back and, and and he's ready. Epaph is ready to go back to the church in Philippi because he's concerned because he knows that they're all worried about him. Why are they all worried about him? He was sick, right? He was really sick. So, so sick that he almost died. And so this guy, Epaph, he, he means so much to the people that it causes great concern for the church in Philippi. So now Paul, he's going to send him back. And when he sends him back, he can relax a little, not be so stressed out, and the church can be glad. But then Paul's not done. And this is what I want to talk about. I love what he says here. He encourages them. He says, when you see him, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor him. 
Why? Because verse 30, he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So you've got to welcome him with great joy and honor him. You know who that makes me think of, of course. Makes me think of Ray. Um, Sinden Ray. And um, I still remember it. Three years ago, I said, does anyone have the gifts of evangelism? I need help. And this older gentleman comes forward in his cane and says, I got the gifts of evangelism. <laughs> I was like, well, you teach a class, a three-week class for me? He goes, you bet. Teaches a three-week class at the end of three-week class, the third week. I didn't go the first two weeks. I come the third week and I hear him talking. He says, before I die, I'd like to go back to Ghana. And so I sit him down afterwards. I said, here's the deal. And he had a walker at the time. I said, we are going to send you to Ghana. I don't want you to raise any money or anything. We're just going to send you. And um, the next week, he had his itinerary planned out. Like he just, he's just been waiting the last 12 years or whatever for somebody to do that. I mean, this is hilarious. So we send him. We were supposed to send him for two months, though. And if you remember that trip, he got sick. He got pneumonia and he did get very sick. And so they had to send him back a month into it and, and they brought him back. But do you remember how happy we were when he came back? Do you, I mean, do you, I mean, this is the trip before the next trip. So this is that first one. And he came up there and he spoke and he showed his slideshow. And, and we even bought a special laser pointer for him because he wanted a laser pointer that he could point on the screen while he showed everything. I mean, just the beauty of that, uh, that opportunity we had with Ray. But we welcomed him back with great joy and we honored him. And you know the rest of the story. They were able to finish his commitments the next year with, our other te- with the team that we sent and a thousand salvations and a thousand baptisms in the Spirit later. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. But I, I love that Paul tells us to honor people like him. Paul uses Epaphroditus' return as a powerful teaching moment for all of us. He's very clear in what he's saying to us. He's saying, church, honor people like him. <laughs> in a society where honor is not really popular, he's saying honor people like him. I think we need to learn from that. Honor people like him. Honor people who are willing to risk their lives for the work of Christ. So dear, fill in the blank, fill in your name, welcome my faithful servants in my name with great joy and honor them. Love God. It made me think as I read this passage, who are the Epaphroditus in our church? And then think about your own context. Who are the Epaphroditus in your life? And then ask the question, are you honoring them? You know, right? Are you honoring them? Not to condemn you again, but just think about it. And are we honoring them, church? Because I was thinking about this. We can't all go to Rome to minister to Paul's needs. So what do we do? We send Epaph. When Epaph comes back, we welcome him in the name of the Lord with great joy and we honor him. We can't all go to Ghana to minister to the needs of the people. So what do we do? We send Adam and Rachel and Emily and Joe and Colby and Ray and we welcome them home and honor them as they return. We can't all go to Belize, so we send Eli. We can't all go to Papua New Guinea, so we send the McIntyres and the Midcasts. You get what I'm saying? But it's important that we honor these people whom we send out and welcome them back with great joy whenever they come back. We have a man right now who's walking around the building doing security. I, I don't think we ever welcomed or honored him enough. Um, he drove a van all the way across the Georgia, that van that we've celebrated that's now in Ghana. Um, he, he risked a lot. He broke down in Kansas City. He took two weeks away from work. We, we didn't pay him to do that. And um, we need to honor him. And so, uh, Sean, I honor you. <laughs> Sean, come here. We're going to honor him. I see him. He just walked by. Sean, we just wanted to uh, thank you for sending the bus to Georgia. And uh, we just want to honor you this morning and, and thank you for what you did. Thank you, brother. I love you. And we prayed a couple of weeks ago that the Lord would send us another bus so we could pick up families at the apartments and bring them to church here. Amen. So church, this is kind of getting to another topic, which I love, which is close to my heart, is that we are a sending church. 
we're a sending church. If you don't like that, too bad. <laughs> That's just... It's just who we are because we love God and we love people. We will win people to Christ. We will build strong disciples and we will send missional leaders. We're going to send you out. And if and when you come back, we better welcome you back with great joy and honor you. But I want to remind us of what we really mean when we talk about sending missional leaders. Yes, it involves the examples that I just gave of sending. And it would involve a dozen other people in this church that I haven't mentioned but right now, I want, I want us all to be aware that Epaphroditus, he doesn't have to be sent to Rome or Ghana or Belize or Texas or Georgia. Sometimes the best place that we can send Epaph is across the street. The entire congregation of LifeSpring Church, we can't all go into the public school system tomorrow. But we can do what we do, which is to send almost a dozen teachers, paraeducators and administrators into the schools every week. And on Sunday mornings, we welcome you back with great joy and we want to honor you. So if that's you this morning, would you stand? And we want to honor you. If you're in any way working in the school system, whether it's homeschool or public schools, amen. Thank you for what you're doing. If you're involved <laughs> in any kind of government, whether it be local, I laugh. Why did I laugh? What a hilarious. <laughs> local, state, federal. If you work for the government, would you please stand up? I want to honor you for going out into a dark world. <laughs> Um, as I am friends with many people in government, it's a heaviness that you feel when you walk into many of those places and many of those buildings. You just, it's a, you just feel it. It's a heaviness. And we want to welcome you back. Thank you for going out into that world. We can't all be in the business and finance world, but I believe LifeSpring Church, we're sending some of God's best work into this world to make a difference. If you're shining the light of Christ in business or in finance, would you please stand back up? We want to welcome you. Amen. Welcome home. Welcome home. You bring us great joy. And we want to honor you. We could go on with the various groups that meet needs in our community as we send you out and then you return and I just pray that this would be a place where you're welcomed with great joy and a place where you are honored for your faithful service to the Lord. Because at LifeSpring, I mean, this is a passion of ours. We passionately believe that one of our main missions on earth is to send out missional leaders. That's who we are. That is who we will always be. The church will send you. We're a sending church. And to be a sending church... We've got to send you. And this means we will always pray for you. And sometimes we'll even give you money. <laughs> we're a sending church. That's number one. But you know number two is? If we're going to be a sending church, then we need people to send. You need to be willing to go. You need to be willing to go. We're a sending church. It's part of our DNA. If there's a Paul who's in Rome and, and if the Holy Spirit is asking, hey, we need to help meet the need of Paul who's in Rome, live stream, guess what? We're going to do everything we can to send you to go meet the needs of Paul in Rome. That's number one. It's part of our DNA. But number two, I need you to ask this question of yourself this morning. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go? And if the answer is yes, then where is God wanting to send you? If you're willing, if you're like, I, you know, I hear him, I send me, then are you willing to go? Then where is God sending you? Just think about that. And for some of you, what I, I love about this question, and I think about my own life, where is God sending you? Some of you, it's right here, isn't it? God has sent you here. There's so many people in this church where I, I just, I'm like, I don't even know why they're here. How did you, where did you, I mean, right? It just doesn't even make sense. And you go, they have been sent from the Lord to this church. Without a doubt in my mind, you have been sent from God Himself. Lane and Dion Hauger, are you kidding me? They, they, 
they, a part of the pastor officiation was this certificate that said that we could have our van detailed. And it's like, do you not know that we have three little kids or you know, three, one big kid and two little kids that, I mean, have you seen our house? Ha- we are just not that family. We are a different family. When, when we go on car rides, offer your car because our car, you will have gum stuck to your pants when you leave. It's just part of the deal. But yet he detailed our car this week. Incredible. I mean, it, Ava comes. It was so amazing. I pick up Ava from school and she looks around. She smelled it. And she's like, it's like it's brand new. That's how much work that man of God put into our family this week. Sent from God to be a blessing. David Jan Lloydhammer, when he came to church the first time, I remember him telling me, he goes, you know, I just feel like God's calling me into a new season. A new season. And he said, it's a season where I'm supposed to be an encourager. He, I just felt like I'm supposed to encourage. Do you know what he has done since he got from day one, he has overwhelmed me with encouragement. They've brought so much life into my life, into the life of this church. Then think about the entire youth leadership team. I mean, they're ridiculous right now and absurd at a whole nother level. Uh, prayed for seven hours last week. I mean, just things that make me tired just thinking about it. But they're led by an amazing man of God, Cameron Jewell, uh, sent from God, sent from the Lord uh, to us. What a blessing you are. I, I think about Jeremy and Lucinda. I mean, they have sacrificed so much to come here from Texas, moved from a place where they had jobs, um, you know, like, wow, you know, to a place where it's pretty, wow, you know, like, wow. And yet you... In so many ways, as we discuss, and, and I'll just be like, what are you doing here? Why? I mean, like, are you kidding me? And, and you're like, man, God called us to come to Life Spring. And so you've been sent to Life Spring. And I love that. And thank you so much. We're just blessed by your willingness, your faithfulness, your obedience to God's call in your life. You have blessed us. As God has sent you here, we are blessed. And there's many of you like that in this room. But where is God sending you? And and church, as I close this morning, my, my big prayer this morning for each of us is that we would, as individuals, again, as individuals, think about yourself, not get so inwardly focused that we'd stop asking that question, right? Because we don't ask that question when we're thinking about ourselves, right? We don't say, well, God, how would you maybe want to use my life or where would you want me to actually go? You don't ask that when it's about yourself. So ask yourself that question. God, where are you sending me? As an ambassador for Christ, where are you sending me? But then also I pray as a church, as a body, Right? That we would never get so inwardly focused that we would stop sending those who are called to go. You want to look at a dying church? Look at a church that isn't sending. It's just true. Because there is a health in sending people to meet needs. Look at the Bible. Look at the Scripture. I love this. And I want to say this. We need to be willing to send our most prized possessions. You know why I can say that? Because that's what Paul did. Look at Paul. Remember verse 19? He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus... I mean, I hope you get the logic of this because this is, this is incredible. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send who? Timothy. That shows so much the attitude of Christ that Paul has. He longs to send Timothy to the church in Philippi. That wrecks me because we already discovered that Paul has what? No one else like Timothy. Like, out of everyone in my life, there's no one like Timothy. So, Timothy, get out of here. Does that just challenge anyone else? That wrecks me. Everybody else looking for their own interests, except for this guy. And now I'm going to send him away. The temptation, of course, it's obvious what the temptation would be. No way. <laughs> like, I'm keeping you, right? You ain't going no, nowhere, but you're like my only hope, Obi-Wan. Like, just no, you are, you are here. But yet, Paul, at the beginning of this passage, he's like, yep, nobody liked Timothy. Everybody else looking for themselves. Just Timothy, only guy who's really willing to hang out with me, go to McDonald's, talk about Jesus. And I think I'm going to send him. Just wrecks me. Stirs my heart. I mean, it just challenges me. It stretches my faith to another level. And it does something in me. And I think it does something at such a deeper level because it is also just such a part of our calling as a church because we are a sending church. 
It's biblical, church. It's crazy. It's painful. But it's biblical. It reminds me of Pastor Adam when he told me he was moving back to Texas. We're at the buttered biscuit and Sumner eating, you know, heart attack on a plate. And we're doing the year in review. And halfway through his year in review, he stops me and goes, man, Dan, you know, you don't need to finish the review. I'm going back to Texas uh, to be with Kennedy, with my little, to be with my little girl. And you, and you can't argue that, right? But what I love about the story about Adam going back to Texas is that he didn't quit so that he could be a senior pastor at Texas. You guys need to know that. Like when he quit, there was no job lined up. He resigned to be closer to his daughter. Isn't that beautiful? But even though that was all awesome and like, oh wait, you know, that's great ending to the movie or whatever, I still didn't want to lose Adam to Texas, right? I wanted to send Adam to Texas. So while Adam is talking to me, I text my boss. I was like, dude, I got one of the best people I know. Like during our meeting, one of the best people I know heading over to Texas and I would really like to have him still be a four square pastor. So he texts me back. Again, while I'm in the meeting with Adam, Adam's telling me, you know, he texts me back and he goes, I just got an email this morning from the supervisor in Texas saying that there's a church opening uh, looking for a senior pastor over there. Here's his, uh, or give me Adam's contact info. I give him Adam's contact info. On the way home from the meeting, the guy in Texas gives Adam a call and the rest is history. And they just had their first baptism this last Sunday, church. Come on. Praise the Lord. And I love that. And Adam wanted to be sent. And of course, we sent him. We sent him with prayer. We sent him with money. <laughs> and let's just keep it going, church, right? Keep it going. There's a vitality to that. There's a life to that. If you feel like you are being sent out from Lifespring as a Timothy or an Epaphroditus somewhere, wherever that is, by the way, missions in Africa or Costco in Federal Way or across the street is your neighbor or maybe it's into the nursery or into the children's ministry or youth, wherever it is. I'm not going to put the geography, you know, limit you to the geography, but I want you to take a practical step this morning. I want you to write it down. And if you'd be so bold after you write down what you think the Lord is asking you to do, I want you to give it to an usher on the way out. So as you walk through those, through those doors, an usher will be at the door. And just hand it to the usher. And then this week, our prayer team, we're going to pray over every single card. We're going we're gonna to pray for you. Because you know why? Because we want to support you. We want to support you. We want to pray for you. Maybe you feel like it's your workplace. Your workplace is your mission field. Well, we want to pray for you. Maybe it's your family members that you, you know you're being called to your family. Have you ever had that where you're like, God, now is the time for me to talk to Uncle Bill? You know, have you ever had that where it's just like, now is the time to approach my father? Have you, that just, I, and I, again, I can't put the time on that. I can't put the geography on that. But the Spirit is speaking. Even as I'm talking, the Spirit is speaking. I want you to write that down so we can pray for you. Maybe you're called to take care of and minister to the needs of your neighbor. Or whoever it is. And just write that down. And here's the deal. When or if you come back, <laughs> we want to welcome you home with great joy. And we're going to honor you. So write it down. And then we're going to see when you come back, we're going to honor you. And we're proud of you. I know that was hard. I know that was difficult. In fact, you almost lost your life, didn't you? You passed. But you came back and we really missed you and we're so happy that you're back. We want to honor you. Can we do that, church? All right. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, you're so good. <laughs> you're so good. And it's amazing how you're able to convict us in a way that doesn't shame us, but in a way that leads us forward into your plans for our lives. And it's so beautiful to me. And in this very holy moment where you are definitely speaking this morning, I, I pray that we would learn what it means to have the mindset of Jesus, the attitude of Jesus, where we would show a genuine concern for the welfare of others. Lord, I repent for where I've been preoccupied with myself. I, I repent, Lord. I turn from those things, God, and once again, turn to you, God. Show me what it means to care for others, to love others, to show grace towards others. Show us, just even now, Lord, just reveal 
what that looks like. And Lord, show us where you want to send us today. Show us where you want to send us. Each one of us, Lord, where do you want to send us? And Lord, just thank you for the passion that you've given this church to be a sending church. I, I love that. We, it's just part of who we are. We, it just rises up. It's what you've made us to be. But Lord, I pray that as much as we send people, I pray that we would also honor them and welcome them with great joy when they return. And show us what it means to be a church that honors people, Lord. That honors those that we have sent. Lord, we're still learning. We have such a long ways to go. But uh, I thank you that your grace is giving us this opportunity to grow today. This is a privilege. This has been amazing, Lord. And if anyone with our heads bowed, if, if there's anyone who just is wrestling with it all, like just all of it, like God and living for God and following God. And if you want to just kind of get that settled this morning with Him, I'd love to pray for you that today could just be a step forward in your journey with the Lord. And so if you just feel like you're stuck and you need to take a step forward in in following Him, would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Amen. You can put your hands down all over this place. Lord, I, I just pray for those with their hands raised that um, you would be that good, good Father that you say you are. That you would be that lover of our souls that you say you are. That you'd be the one who the Bible tells us that you know us by name, that you know every hair on our head, you know us at the most intimate detail that with that, Lord, you would pursue us today. Pursue us, Lord. And in those areas where we feel stuck, in those areas where we feel like we just need a renewing of our mind, that right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would begin to do that work in us. Do a good work, even now. Just continue that good work that you've been doing in us. Help us today, Jesus. Help us today, Lord. And Lord, we're... um, You might want to do something. I I just feel like you just said this, Lord, that you're wanting to do something new and adventurous in your life. And and that's for many people in this room, that the Lord is wanting to give you new eyes of faith because he wants to do something new and adventurous. He wants to send you. (laughs) I don't know who that's for, but whoever that is, write it down so I can pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. You're speaking. So clearly. Amen.